Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. We are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the show. It's time to set the table for week six of the NFL season. Kyle, welcome. Before we do, I didn't declare free money bet from last week. So now we've got ourselves in a pickle, Joe, because mybookie.ag... I'm going to go there right now. And if Penn State minus three does not exist, I can't use it. Even though that's what we quoted on the show, correct? Yep, because when we recorded it, that's what the line was at. I see this Virginia-Miami-Florida. Not a top 25 matchup, so not eligible. No, my, Virginia's, Virginia's ranked. Oh, yes. Did you see this line moved? Yes, it's one and a half now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel pretty good with that two and a half, don't you? Yeah, and you sure got a did. Plus, you got Virginia plus two. Uh, I have them locked in at plus two, yep. Plus two. Very good, Joe. Very good. All right. Let me see. Where's Penn State at? Holla at your boy. Going to have to control F Penn yeah, State. Yeah, because there's all there the games. Minus three. Yep. It's still here. Penn State minus three is your free money Thursday bet of the week. Lock it in. All right. So the drill, you $20 bet. Screenshot of the Kyle Krabs. If he's wrong, drawing for a reimbursement of that 20 bucks. Which Patrick Brown got and tweeted the screenshot of the Venmo transaction. So that did happen. Yep. And I can't wait for my alma mater to cost me another 20 bucks. <laughs> God, it might be time to hang it up if you don't get this one. <laughs> well, I take a lot of solace in, in knowing you full-heartedly support this as a free money. Bet. I do. Yeah, I do. I have, I have legit money on that. Uh, I have legit money on Virginia, and I have legit money on NC State Syracuse being under 56 points, and it was 16 to 10. So Solid. Yeah. Very good. Good start to the week for Joe Marino's wallet. All right. Let's talk about the NFL. We got an interesting slate of games this week, Joe. We do. Uh, any any thoughts from last night? Giants, Patriots. Uh game was relatively close. And then yeah, the Patriots were the better team and the Giants kept turning the football over and missile. You, know, you can't give you can't give the Patriots two miscellaneous touchdowns a punt block for uh you know a, a touchdown and then a defensive touchdown you can't do that so i have some concerns about the patriots offense but what's really unique about this patriots team is the elite defense and then i know their field goal kicking situation is bad but their special teams has been unbelievable jake bailey yeah. as a punter has been unbelievable uh, they have a good returner and the azawaki or whatever his name is but then also like they're blocking punts they have two Punts blocked four touchdowns in six games this year. I look at this game, Joe, 
And uh, I, I choose to look at it from the Giants' perspective. And I understand Giants had a rough draw last night. I think everybody can agree to that with Saquon Barkley being out, Evan Ingram being out, mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard being out. Um, there was just no life in this offense. You know, some people will point to the positives with Daniel Jones and um, this was his worst game as a pro as far as quarterback rating and completion percentage. He was 15 to 31 for 161 yards, one touchdown and three interceptions. And um, I hope the New York Giants Twitter account has slowed down their enthusiasm after that Tampa Bay win because they were feeling themselves after that dub. And I'll tell you what, last three games, Daniel Jones, three touchdowns, six interceptions, five sacks, not a single quarterback rating above 78. He's completed 50% of his passes the last two games against Minnesota and New England. You shouldn't be calling wins and losses off of a handful of games, no matter what side of the fence you're on. And for Daniel Jones, that interception, he threw the third one was about as elementary and basic of a read as you could possibly get. So it's it's a nice refresher that, you know, Tampa Bay, who was, I believe, without Devin White in that football game, it's easy to look good against Tampa Bay defense. And Washington's not very good, but Minnesota and New England have reminded us very pronouncedly that Daniel Jones is a bit of a project who... Let's not put the cart before the horse. There's a lot of development that needs to take place here. You know, and it's not even just Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray right now. It's, I mean, think about the 18 class, Kyle. I mean, we're still learning about all of those quarterbacks, whether it's Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Omar Jackson, Josh Rosen. I mean, we don't need to get to like year four and still have questions about who guys are, but. Why? That's what we do with Jared Goff. Well, it, but what about year five with Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota? I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I, the, the fact of the matter is um, there's – it's it's just not – you can't cash receipts on quarterbacks after a game or five games or even – 40 pass attempts. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, it's uh, – there's a lot ahead for these players. And, I mean, I know that Daniel Jones was was undermanned last night for sure, but I, what does that got to do with being able to read cover two? Right, and that's all it was. Right. It was basic cover two. <laughs> Safety rotates to the hash, corner sits, sinks because there's nobody to hold him in the flat, Yeah, and takes the ball. Out of it. Nothing for you. Now, Joe, here's the, I'm glad you brought that up. There's a legitimate case to be made that Josh Rosen – Right now, the last two weeks, he was on a bye last week, but the week before that, like each of the 2018 guys, their last game played, Mm -hmm. Rosen had the the second best game. Josh Allen had the best. Right. Just to kind of further prove your point of like, let's not not put stock in anything in small sample sizes right right now. Which which may have been at certain points of this discussion across, what is it, 20 weeks now that these guys have been – in the NFL, at, yeah. th- at certain points, if I would have told you that the best two quarterbacks from the previous week were Allen and Rosen from the 18 class, you would have tried to light my house on fire. And yet here we are. Yeah. 
Uh, so that that's that was my big takeaway from the Thursday game was yes, New England's defense is playing phenomenal. Yes, the Giants wonder man, but like let's slow our roll here because I got a good laugh out of the Giants trying to troll everybody for <laughs> April the lead button. Yeah, yes. I feel like this week in the NFL, Kyle is a lot of you know they're gonna you're gonna play the whole season and every game counts, but I feel like this is an important week in terms of like critical shifts in your record, right? Look at let's look at the, the like I don't know the Eagles and Vikings game. Both of those teams are three and two. One of them's going to be three and three, and one of them's going to be four and two after that game in the NFC in a very competitive race. Critical, right? Like to me, that's an important game. Yeah, I mean, I also kind of look at uh, from just a divisional perspective more than anything else. The Rams and 49ers. huge. Critical swing potentially. Rams in. I don't want to say any Week Six game is a must-win game, right? But from the Rams' perspective, you damn well better win this football game if you want to win the NFC West. There'll be three back, Kyle. Right. There'll be technically technically four, right? Right. Because of a tiebreaker with San Francisco. And that game is fascinating to me because what's the problem with the Rams right now more than anything? Offensive line. And what the what did that 49 pass rush? Woo! Good luck, Armstead, you know, Buckner, Bosa, D Ford, Solomon Thomas. Good luck. Yeah, this this past week for, for San Francisco was the game that was yep, this team's definitely I was way too low on this team. So in anticipation, kind of looking ahead. What's a game plan look like, in your opinion, for L.A. to beat the 49ers? You know, and look, another note here, just along those lines, is is the 49ers' pass defense has been really good. They're holding opponents to under 200 passing yards a game uh, and holding opponents under 82 rushing yards a game. And that that is problematic for L.A. Anytime that I feel like you're going up against a really good defense, because I think about a lot this a lot for the Bills, and I talk a lot about you know, how I would attack the Bills defense or any defense from an offensive perspective. I think you have to try to be the best version of yourself. Like what are the things that you execute the best? I don't think you can go at it and say, we think this is a matchup we can win. So we have to exploit this. It's all right. Well, what, what do we do best? Is that moving Jared Goff, uh, the pocket and having him throw uh, on the move a little bit? Is that, you know, your zone rushing attack? Is that some scheme throws the screen game? You have to find those things that have been most effective for you and try to execute that and, and not try to be so matchup specific in, the, in a game like this. Which is a big conflict for me because what the Rams historically have done best is, is wide and outside zone in the rushing game. Yeah. And San Francisco's got the athletes up front to just destroy that. So I'd lo- I would look to, to isolate Cup in the middle of the field and I would feed Cup, and I would feed Gerald Everett, and I would feed your backs in the pass game. That's that. That would be my. I kind of disagree with your philosophy, just because I think you're playing in San Francisco's strength way too much. I'm not abandoning the run, but if I need critical down and distances, I'm going in the middle of the field. Well, and certainly I wasn't saying they should do any one thing. I think it's identifying what they felt they execute the best and trying to roll with that. I think an underrated component of this game is you have a team in LA that's been, you know, been in big games a lot over the last few years. 
played at the Super Bowl, you know, all kinds of playoff games. And then on the other side of that, you have a team that really hasn't, right? This is a 49ers team that is 10 and 22 over the last two seasons going into 2019. Haven't had a moment like this, right? And so going into LA in a game where I feel like the implications are as strong as they ever have been in a 49ers game under Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, how do those guys meet this moment? Because if you shit your pants like Josh Allen did against the Patriots in a similar type game, well, then, you know, that's going to say a lot about, uh, I guess, the the reality of you being a true contender would be. So I'm anxious to kind of learn that about San Francisco this week. Yeah. I mean, we had mentioned they'd be three, three and a half games back if the Rams lost. But if the Rams won, suddenly all the pressure gets flipped back onto San Francisco. 100% because they play again too, right? Right. Yeah. What else stands out to you, Jill? (sighs) I guess this this Steelers-Chargers game. Um, Man, I I mean, like the Chargers are so depleted. And they're at home, but they're two and three. You have the Steelers with their (laughs) their third quarterback most likely. But – you know, I was talking with Matt Matt Williamson earlier today, and the the Steelers. You know, football games are still about offensive line, defensive line, and the Steelers are like in the upper echelon of both of those things in the NFL. And I don't think you could say the same for the Chargers. And they got certainly the ingredients around that is really something that makes a big difference. But you know, Steelers defense is extremely talented, and you know, could they could they kind of stack some wins here and get back into it? I don't know. It can be challenging with. You know, their quarterback situation in flux, but you know, this is one of those games for for the Chargers. I mean, they're they're a blink away from being two and four if they lose this game to Pittsburgh. So I think, you know, I, I, that sixth, that fifth, and I mean, I think the AFC is very wide open, whether it's the division races outside of the East, because I think the Patriots are going to run away from that. They kind of already are, but what no other division, maybe the Chiefs in the West, but the North and South, as well as the wild card possibility AFC, you got to feel like you're in it right now, even if you are one and four or two and three. And these are two teams that are that record right now, but you know the, the, it starts to shift based on the results of this game. Yeah, I think this is a a favorable matchup for the Steelers, as you mentioned with the line of scrimmage, regardless of who's playing quarterback. I'd love to see this team get back to running the ball 30, 35 times a game. Have you know, to. just because yeah. they, you, you kind of have to. I understand you got weapons in the pass game, but you got a good offensive line. You got a bell cow style back in James Conner. That would be my recipe to try and get after the Chargers, a team that had a, a run-heavy offense, wear them out down the stretch in the playoffs last year. It's not a, a great time to pick uh, the Chargers and Chiefs to have more wins than the yeah, Cowboys. It's anyway. definitely not. Nope, it's not. Um, but how about like, I mean, th- this Steelers front with Stephon Tuitt, Casey Hayward, Javon Hargrave, TJ Watt, Devin Bush. I mean, even Bud Dupree's had some moments this year like, those are freaking good players, man. In deep, I mean, you look at the back. Fit Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, uh, Terrell Edmonds has played better this year. Uh, Steve Nelson. And to summarize for the Chargers offensively, right? They just lost Mike Pouncey to IR. Yeah. There's this this starting offensive line. You ready for this? <laughs> Left to right. No oh boy. Trent Scott. Dan Feeney. He's been bad. Scott, Scott Questenberry. Bad. Michael Schofield. Horrible. Sam Tevy. Terrible. 
That's the starting offensive line for the L.A. Chargers. With a statue at quarterback. The least athletic quarterback in football. Correct. Oh, God. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it. Let's see here. We got we got a lot more here. Um, Texans Chiefs, interesting. I think this might be the most compelling, like top of the schedule matchup of the week because the Texans are hot. The Chiefs are coming off an ugly primetime loss when Patrick Mahomes banged up. How much does that injury linger for Mahomes? And if the Texans walk away from this game with a win, we better start getting worried about the Texans in the AFC. I think the, the, the Texans, if they're able to beat the Chiefs, have the most solid claim to being the third best team in the AFC. Ooh, really? Yeah, if they beat the Chiefs, yeah. I'll, okay, I can get behind that. That'd be, a, that'd be a hell of a resume win. But, I mean, to this point, that Panthers loss at home, kind of disappointing. Yeah. And, you know they didn't. But right, right now we're what three and two. Chiefs are three and two, or te- Texans are three and two. Right. Chiefs are four and one. Yep. I feel like in in football, once you hit the the second quote unquote quarter, anytime you're two games above five hundred, you're in a great situation. So for the Texans, if they're able to move to four and two, this division, let's, let's be honest, this division's not good. And if you can get a quality win against Kansas City in Kansas City, you're setting yourself up for a lot of success in the long run. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, you you might be able to win the, the South or the North with eight or nine wins. Right. That's a good that's an interesting question, Joe. Which division, North or South, has a div- the divisional winner wins less games? North. Because I think I think the Colts, I think the Colts and the Texans are potentially better teams than whoever you think the best team in the North is with their current status right now. Still think it's Cleveland, but you are riding that train, man. They're about to be the coaching is a problem. They're about to be two and four. They're going to lose to Seattle this week. I understand that, but I'm going to old takes expose you if Cleveland wins at home. (laughs) Okay. What do you think about that game? That's a big one this week, right? Two and. That's, two and that's three. probably the second most compelling game. I think Texans and Chiefs with the fireworks of Mahomes versus Watson is like appointment level television. But beyond that, Seattle with Russ versus Baker and Cleveland. I just the, the Browns offense is so out of sync. That's what I'm saying. Doesn't that, that somewhat spoils the the appeal of you know Baker versus Russ? It does. It definitely does. And I, I don't know whether it's, you know, we're trying to push the ball down the field more for Odell or the offensive line's just that bad. Like, I know it's not good, but I, I just cannot wrap my head around how you made the decision to keep Freddie Kitchens <laughs> specifically with continuity with your offense in mind. And now you look like you might as well have just brought somebody else completely different in that doesn't fit your players. I think the thing about Cleveland is we've seen we've seen like pieces of this offense look like you wanted it to. Yeah. But my my concern 
whenever we really got into the weeds talking about Cleveland this year was it became clear that their opening schedule was really challenging. And how does this team deal with that? And here we are, right? I know that things soften up here as the year goes on for Cleveland, but the hole might be too big and you start getting, you know, some internal issues potentially. And now all of a sudden you're going to lose games against teams that you you're definitely more talented than. Well, if you're, if you're three and three, it's a season saver knowing what the last eight, nine games looks like for Cleveland. Right. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Can you see the whole schedule for this week? Yeah. Give me an upset. Woo. An upset. Okay. I got one. I feel pretty good about mine. I'm I'm looking through it. Uh, Well, I mean, the Eagles are underdogs to Minnesota. Are they really? Minnesota's minus three in that game. So that that stands neutral field would say push. The Jags are one and a half point favorites over New Orleans. Tell me what the hell that's about. Don't 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 go off the spread. Go off of of teams that you think will win versus teams you think won't. Which one's most likely to win? Huh. Lions? Where are you at with this? I don't know. I don't, nothing pops to me. Well, you almost ruined this segment by saying the Jaguars are one and a half point favorites over New Orleans because I'd pick Jacksonville to beat. I, I think Jacksonville has a very good chance to beat the Saints this week. Okay. Tell me tell me about that. Like I'm five years old. You want me to sell you? Want me to sell you Please, huh? yes. Well, huge news for the Jaguars is it sounds like Jalen Ramsey is going to play this week. Okay. So that's that's a huge get back for them. Uh, the Jaguars with Minshew have put up points. They're scoring points at a pretty healthy rate. And I think Minshew, his comfort within chaos, within the pocket, and extended playability is enough to pop off enough big plays in the pass game against the Saints to get enough points taken care of. And the Saints are just, they're too hot for their own good, right? They mm-hmm. lost Drew Brees. They're undefeated with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. I think it's high time we see the Saints drop one. They're they're due. Law of averages. Backup quarterback. A non-dynamic backup quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. I think the Jaguars really get after Teddy, and I think they make just enough plays offensively to win this game. It's fascinating to me. Um, I would disagree with you. I think the Saints will win this game. I, I think you make a good claim as to why it could happen. I think – I mean, I've kind of been a Jags doubter, Minshew detractor for a while now, right? I mean, so part of me is somewhat married to those ideas that I have and am optimistic that I'll be right about that. But, I mean, I see what you're saying here. That the Saints defense has been pretty good this year. Um, I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm not kissing Gardner Minshew's feet. And I still think he's he's playing out of his mind good right now, right? I know he had three turnovers the last week. I think he had two fumbles uh, in their loss. But Minshew, I think, still gives you enough in the passing game with what his strengths are that you can pop some plays with him on a weekly basis. I don't think Jacksonville is going to get held to 10 points against the Saints this week. 
Want to uh, touch base here before we wrap on the race for the number one pick? We might as well. So since it's we, we got the winless bowl. We here. do. Let's talk about the non-winless bowl first and Bengals Ravens, right? Bengals are going to get to 0-6 this week. Yes. Right. No so question. we have nothing to worry about there. Jets are going to lose to the Cowboys. The Jets' schedule softens up. They're going to win enough games, so I'm not super concerned there, but they're winless. But they're going to go to 0-5 this week, right? Right. But they do get Sam Darnold back. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, and then, of course, the marquee matchup in the race for the number one overall pick, the 0-5 Redskins travel to Miami to face the 0-4 Dolphins. Do you have any gut opinion here? No, I, I think the Redskins will win this game. And the reason I think they'll win the game is I think they want to win the game more more than the, the Dolphins. Sometimes coaching changes have a, a weird way of uh, getting the best out of a football team. Um, the Redskins are going to get back to running the football, and I think that's a bad idea except for this week against Miami um, because you, you just right. don't need to turn it over through the air. You don't have to – you don't want to give Miami any advantage, right? And I think Bill, Bill Callahan will be the right type of coach and have the right type of plan to beat Miami this week. Uh, I feel like that team has some energy. There's been some weird comments coming out about maybe some people that were happy that uh, Gruden was let go and – they can see a higher level of focus. Their front seven's good. I mean, the Redskins have more talent than, than Miami, and I think they have a lot more to play for, if that makes sense. That's what it comes down to for me. The front seven for Washington. Uh, the, the line of scrimmages is where Washington holds yeah. their most notable advantages. Uh, Washington's interior trio is Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Matt Ioannidis. Those guys are going to pound the hell out of the interior of, of Daniel Kilgore, specifically in Evan Bame at right guard. I think Dieter can hold his own in one-on-one situations, but that's a very imposing group. And then having Ryan Kerrigan coming off the edge with Jamarcus Webb playing left tackle now for the Dolphins. Um, undecided if Isaiah Prince or Jesse Davis is going to be playing a right tackle. But um, that front will eat against Miami, and conversely, Miami has nothing up front that's going to make you sweat with the exception of Christian Wilkins, who's probably going to be drawing Brandon Scherf on quite a few of his one-on-ones. My biggest question for this game is, does the Taco Charlton sack streak continue? I hope so. <laughs> I, I'm here for it, man. I'd love to see Taco turn into like a solid starter, probably six to eight sack a year kind of guy. I think that's his ceiling based on what we've seen so far. what is there a quick, just for people that might be curious about how he's playing for Miami, I know he's got two sacks. I think um, uh, he's, he played like 72% of the snaps against uh, the Chargers after, you know, up from like 42%. So he's getting more playing time. We only have a two-game sample size, but he's, he's made some splash plays. He's their best defensive end, if you want some perspective. Now, what does that really honestly truly mean? Right. <laughs> In the spectrum of Miami's <laughs> roster? Like, okay, Kyle. Um <laughs> Dallas ate him up a little bit, but I think Dallas ate him up because Dallas knows him. Dallas practiced against him every day for two years. So he got a, he got a sack on an extended play on Prescott in which Dak flushed the pocket. Um, but I thought he performed quite well against um, the Chargers, and I think he'll have an opportunity with Morgan Moses and Donald Penn. I think he's got a very realistic chance of extending the sack streak to three straight games. Be fun. So a, a taco sack 
and a Dolphins loss would be the ideal Sunday afternoon. A couple Josh Rosen touchdown passes would be nice too. As long as they don't lead to wins. Well, I mean, that's, that's Josh don't play defense, so it's okay. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed uh, the setup to week six of the NFL action. Make sure you come back and see us again on Monday when we break down all of the action for both college football and the NFL. And then Tuesday is Takes on Takes with your hot takes. You are the show. We are just the vehicle in which it rides. Come back and see us. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.